Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. How many lived in Ontario when the power went out? August 14, 2003, North America's largest ever blackout, 50 million people in Ontario and eastern U.S. without power. They, they go to flip the switch at a habit, right? No lights came on. Never mind food going bad in our fridges and freezers as it thawed out with no power, but what about the most crucial problem? We couldn't power up our cell phones. How could we ever, ever live in a world without power? It must have been exactly the same as that for the disciples in Acts chapter 1. Dr. Van started our series last weekend. Luke ends with part one of Luke's Luke Act miniseries with Jesus ascending into heaven. Part two continues in Acts with a recap of Jesus ascending into heaven, but with more details. Bottom line is Jesus is gone. And the big issue for the disciples had to be, how are we, going to, how are we ever going to function without power? How are we ever going to do what Jesus is asking us to do without our power source? without the power of Jesus. For three years, they'd seen Jesus say and do things with the power of the Spirit. Most of these same disciples that were there when Jesus ascended were right there the day that Jesus in his hometown synagogue picked up the scroll of Isaiah and read of how the Spirit of the Lord is now upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor physical healing, sight to the blind, healing to the brokenhearted and to the broken in body, set the oppressed free. For three years, they'd seen that power of the Spirit come on Jesus and seen people healed and freed and delivered and taught with life-transforming truths. They'd seen it. And now Jesus basically is saying, okay, guys, it's your turn. You go do it now. And then he takes off. It's like a total power outage. Right after he told them, go tell all the people all over the world, everywhere, of what I have done for them. And then they go out there and they're afraid that they're just going to go out and just try and flip on the switch, but there'll be no power. So picture the scene in the second part of Luke's miniseries, this script in the book of Acts, where he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight, 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And so we know that we know what the disciples were seeing in that moment, right? They're looking up into the sky and they see Jesus going up into the clouds. Question I have for you is, what view did Jesus have when he looked down upon the 11 remaining disciples and those who were with them? What did he see? What was his view? The very people that Jesus, that he put all his eggs in one basket. These are the very people that he just entrusted with the life-death message that has to get to all the people in the world. So Jesus is up in the clouds. He looks down. What does he see? He sees Peter with the foot-shaped mouth because Peter, his, his mouth was always engaged before his brain was, right? And then he sees John and James whose concept of evangelism was to call fire down from heaven if people rejected Jesus. Thomas, the pessimistic cynic, is down there who, when Jesus rose from the dead and he gets the good news, says, I believe it when I see it. Just six weeks ago, as soon as the Roman soldiers showed up with a bit of their military power, all 11 of these same dudes abandoned Jesus right when he needed the most. And that was when Jesus was right there. He even did a miracle in that moment, and they, they still went AWOL. So along with his supernatural power, Jesus leaves for heaven, and the disciples go to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Well, because on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Then he says this, which you have heard me speak about. And it wasn't just Luke, it was also the Apostle John that was right there hearing Jesus speak about this gift, the Spirit that was going to come to the disciples to empower them. Uh, John said, Jesus told us that when he goes to the Father, he will send his Spirit. And listen, he said it'll be, Jesus said, it'll be just like having me with you. As a matter of fact, John records these words from Jesus, I will come to you. I won't leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. You'll be better off when the Spirit comes because I can only physically be with you in one place at one time, but when my Spirit comes, he'll be with all of my followers throughout the earth, fully present everywhere. Luke explains what they were waiting in Jerusalem for. He says, for John, here's Jesus says, John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Exactly how it went down. All right, Acts 2, look at this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Do you notice? On that day, did you hear Rodney? As he said that Peter got up and addressed the crowd. It's like, it's like he had the same confidence he would have had if Jesus was right there with them. And he told them, he said, guys, these tongues-talking babblers, they're, they're, they're not drunk like you think they are. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. The bars aren't even open yet. 
He says, this is what the Bible prophet Joel said would happen when Messiah arrived on planet earth and Jesus has arrived. Let me tell you about him. He died for you, rose from the dead for you. And this power that we are empowered by today is for you and it's for your children and your children's children. And it says about 3,000 people and one day said yes to Messiah Jesus. So the same spirit that was on Jesus and what he said and did in the book of Luke is now upon the disciples in the, the book of Acts. So, so when you peek just a little bit ahead to another scene in the book of Acts, Peter and John are going to a church service at three o'clock in the afternoon. En route, they meet uh, a guy. He was there every day begging for donations and Peter said, look at us. And the guy looked at them expecting to get some moolah. And Peter says, I haven't got any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of the Messiah Jesus, get up and walk. And he did. Where did that power come from? It was just like Jesus was right there. Having the Holy Spirit there was, was just like having Jesus there. So here's the first of three truths we're going to uh, look at today. Watch this. Jesus will never ask us to do something without giving us the power to do it. You know, just like he'll never give us the temptation without there'll be more than we can bear. So he'll never get us into a situation that he gets us into without giving us the power to get through it in a good way. That was the church in the book of Acts. Jesus had ministered to people in the power of the Spirit. Now the ministry continues in the church and their outreaches in the power of the Spirit. So let's take notes here. Watch this. The church Jesus assembled was never fully assembled unless his Spirit was present. Did you hear me? The church that Jesus assembled was never fully assembled unless his spirit was present. And how many are thankful where his spirit is, there is power, there is freedom. What Jesus did for people happens again through his church. Sometimes uh, the first century church got so focused on the power that they forgot about the love. You know, they get the, the power of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and so they needed a course correction. Because Jesus had told them the priority power that you're to be known by is not the power of the Spirit to, to do supernatural, but the power of love, love. And so you can read the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Corinth, Greece, and that church was enamored with the power of the Holy Spirit and he, he gives them a course correction and he says, you know, you may have all these gifts, but without love, you ain't got nothing. The Apostle John writes, last book of the New Testament and he calls out seven churches because they're going off track. They're reassembling as communities, but they are not doing what Jesus asked them to do. Some of them have power, they have resources, that they never had, but they don't have the power of the Spirit. The first one, actually, the Apostle John writes to, and he says, you've lost your first love. You lost your first love. You're, you're, you're doing things, but you're not doing things because you love Jesus. 
You're, you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit. He says, get back and do the things that you did at first, empowered by the Spirit. And so here's the second, second truth that speaks to us from Acts 2 today. If we try to do church without the Spirit's power, we become reduced to a charitable organization in our community. Imagine Jesus in Luke <laughs> going about uh, trying to do um, ministry to people without the power of the Spirit. Imagine Jesus without the supernatural. Just be another, another teacher, another Messiah wannabe. Can you imagine the church in Acts trying to help people without the power of the Holy Spirit? There wouldn't be much of a book of Acts. It's unthinkable because when you do think about it, where would the Acts church be without the supernatural presence of Jesus when they gathered together in his name? Without the healings, without the boldness that was given them, whether they stood before political powers or, or, or demonic people who were hostile towards them. Well, what about Stephen supernaturally seeing Jesus as he was being martyred, receiving strength to help him go through that? that deadly situation? What about escaping from prison and the Holy Spirit baptisms in Caesarea and Ephesus and the signs and wonders that you see in the book of Acts? None of it would have happened without the power of the Spirit. I got a bit of a jolt one day when I was reading a popular church author, A.W. Tozer, who actually used to pastor right here in Toronto. But he wrote this. What do you think of this? If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. I don't know about the 95%, and he, he, but he's making a point that if we try to do church without the Spirit's power, we become reduced to a charitable organization in our community. However, it doesn't happen like the 2003 power blackout in Ontario. It doesn't happen like that. It's not sudden. It's gradual. The pattern throughout church history, and I've studied enough of it to see that it's true, someone observed that what began as a spiritual movement can become a well-organized machine, but then eventually evolves into a monument. So you go from being this, this spiritual, powerful movement to a machine, and then you become a monument to what you used to be. You know, how does that happen? Well, liturgy that was once filled with life become, becomes uh, rituals, empty of the power that birthed them. Sound doctrines that began as living truths that were taught, they're reduced to historical statements. What began as life-transforming ministries become social programs. And church gatherings where you sense the presence of Jesus, well, they, they go on whether Jesus is present or not. You know, it's like when the church began practicing Lent in preparation for Easter. You know, they, they, were, they were just wanting more of Jesus. We're going to set aside something in our lives and say, Jesus, because you're more important, we want you more than anything in this life. 
But as time went on, that Lent and Ash Wednesday and they went on for generations. It became nothing more than a church tradition. What are you going to give up this year? And emptied of the power that they originated out of. You know, we heard already this morning about Ash Wednesday. You know what? All we have to do to put the power back into these wonderful traditions that were birthed with well-intended Christians seeking more of the Lord, all we have to do is say, Jesus, I'm giving up something for you. (laughs) Giving up something for you because I I want you more than I want anything in this life. And, And the power of the Spirit will be there. If you were a follower of Jesus in Luke's time, during the book of Acts, you read about, they, they were persecuted. They sacrificed for their faith. It went on that way for centuries, up until about the time of Constantine, when Constantine uh, became a follower of Jesus and, and uh, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And over the subsequent decades, it became cool to be a Christian. And uh, the church became more and more... Uh, financially prosperous. There's a story told of St. Thomas Aquinas visiting the Pope. Here I read, entering the presence of Innocent II who, before whom a large sum of money was spread out, the Pope observed to Thomas Aquinas, you see, the church is no longer in an age in which it has to say silver and gold, have I none? True, Holy Father, replied Aquinas, but neither can the church any longer say to the lame, rise up and walk. I mean, there were seasons over the last 2,000 years where the church even became not just political, but military, militaristic. You know, so much for our weapons not being carnal, but being spiritual for the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, we, we, we put down the spiritual weapons at times and picked up the physical ones like in the Crusades of the Middle Ages. Holding a sword up to a Muslim's neck and saying, would you like to receive Jesus or else? Real love. But you know what? Every every time the church lost its way, it lost its power. But then revival would happen. Jesus would reassemble his church. There'd be renewal, usually starting with the younger generations. That's exactly how this uh, fellowship that we're a part of, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, came into existence. Rediscovering that the Spirit's power and gifts and baptism were for today. They weren't just to jumpstart the church into existence in the first century, but it had happened throughout history. Anytime people were spiritually hungry, God would visit them with with spiritual renewal. That cycle in church history is repeating itself before our eyes these years right now because some, some evangelical groups, some, some, but they're loud. Why do those who know the least have to know the loudest? Anyway, they're loud and, and, and they make... Being an evangelical Christian, they're more about having political power than having spiritual power. And the cycle that we three see through 
throughout church history, it's happening again. The polls say that there are some followers of Jesus who claim to be Christians, and they would choose a political leader, what they said, over what Jesus said. And you and I both know they're not known for their love. They're known for the opposite. And they may have political power, but absent is that spiritual power that identifies us as the followers of Jesus. But let's not get too discouraged because you know what's going to happen? Listen to me. Jesus is going to reassemble his church. Jesus is always happened, always has happened. Jesus is going to reassemble his church. And worldly leaders, how many know they're going to rise and fall? Jesus' kingdom is forever. <laughs> Whatever hell on earth we, you and I experience, he said, even in, the, even in the face of the worst that hell can throw at my church, I will build it. And you know, I love the last book of the Bible where it describes how the followers of Jesus arrive in heaven. Do you know how we arrive in heaven? As overcomers. <laughs> he says, to those who overcame. They overcame the hate, the hostility, and any hell that was thrown at them. And there they are before Jesus saying, we did it for you, Lamb of God. And they gather from every language and tribe and nation and say, we're in this following you, Jesus, because you alone are worthy to receive all the glory, the praise, and the power, and it's forever and ever. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were with family in Antigua for a week. And Sunday, we were trying to find a, a local church. I looked up the churches that had the reviews with how many stars. You know what I found? Those with the top ratings were churches that you go see them because of their history or their architecture. You didn't say anything about them holding gatherings or services. But we found one. We were with generations, loving Jesus, and praising with him is a very meaningful experience. But you know, you see the same thing repeating itself in Canada where some of the churches that have the most beautiful buildings and have the best financial resources, but they don't have children or youth. And I have attended some of them looking for it, but there isn't a sense that they're gathering in the presence of Jesus, there's not a sense of the power of the Spirit. You know, and it's sad to say, but it's only a matter of time because it's happening in Toronto right now, only a matter of time before the lights go out because the spiritual power has already gone out and they're turned into another condo. But thank God, there are churches in Canada today that look a lot more like the church in the book of Acts, they may have wonderful buildings, but that's not the church. They just keep reassembling themselves around what Jesus raised up his church to be, and the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon them. How many could sense his presence as we worship him this morning? And he anoints them as they proclaim the good news to the poor and they heal the brokenhearted and they heal the sick. They're, they're basically a, a, an army of love in their community doing unignorable good. Well, how can one church never get reduced to a community charity? All we have to do is just whatever we do, we, we do and say it to please Jesus and in the power of the Spirit. 
doing what Jesus, oh Jesus, are we doing what you can anoint and empower? Can we do church better, Lord, to reach the next generation, to reach people who do not know you? We need you, Lord. Without your power, we're gonna fade away and become a charity, but Lord, we wanna be your people in this generation. And personally, personally, this is also one of the best spiritual practices you could do for yourself. Have regular, fresh experiences with the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, let me, we, we talk about Ash Wednesday. Do you know in March 3rd, first Sunday night in March, we're gonna have opportunity for people to have the same uh, spiritual experience the believers in Acts 2 had and, and throughout the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament that to receive power of the Holy Spirit and to, to receive new power for, for challenges that we face in our generation, in our time, so that we might be that overcoming people that Jesus wants us to be. So, so mark, mark those dates in your calendar. Having those worship experiences, Ash Wednesday and Holy Spirit night and first Sunday night in March. All right, all right, here's where we've been and then I wanna tell you one more thing before we pray. Jesus will never ask us to do something without giving us the power to do it. Second, if we try to do church without the Spirit's power, we become reduced to a charitable organization in our community. And then third, Jesus' plan is for each generation to have firsthand spiritual experiences. That's why in Acts 2, Peter quotes the prophet Joel in the book of Acts. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your, say it with me, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm sorry, I just can't help but think that, you know, I've always wondered, young men dream, see visions, old men dream. You know, isn't it great that the whole teaching pastor uh, staff that you have for this series that we're in right now, you know, you've got young ones like Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Jessica, and myself. <laughs> People. And then you've got Dr. Ben, right? He's dreaming dreams. Speaking of Dr. Ben, he pointed out that the last days are what we're living in right now. Ever since Jesus ascended into heaven, we've been, and the Spirit's been poured, we are in the last days. Uh, we're privileged to live in the days that <laughs> the Holy Spirit's power is accessible. It's dramatically expanded because it's for you. It's for every one of you, every one of us. Did you hear um, Rodney read those words? Your sons and daughters, every generation, it's for all. Jesus had his spirit come upon him to do ministry in in, in, the, in the, the time of Luke with his disciples. Then the disciples, starting in Acts 2, had the Spirit's power come on them to do what Jesus wanted them to do and to say what Jesus wanted them to say. Throughout church history, we've seen it that sometimes churches lose their way, but when they reassemble to do the church, that, the way that Jesus raised up his church to do it that way, that the Spirit of God is there helping them. Fast forward to 2024, it's our turn. Sons and daughters, listening to me? 
Sons and daughters, it's your turn. It's your turn. As one who was privileged to lead pastor this church for over 20 years, I'm so extremely thankful for Pastor Jonathan's leadership and so focused on helping the next generation and people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. How many know when we stand before the Lord in heaven, we're going to be glad we spent our time and resources doing that? We are. In 2017, I was figuring out some dates this past week, and I, I took a sabbatical as Pastor Jonathan took the reins of senior leadership here. I remember, because someone reminded me of it actually a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out a paraphrase of a Bible verse uh, from the New Testament book called Hebrews. It came from my heart. Here's what it said. Mark a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. I was reminded of that just a few days ago. We had a couple of our grandsons up north visiting our place. We still have snow up there. And when I was trudging through a piece of our land and, and where no one had been before. And I was, I hear this voice behind me of my seven-year-old grandson. He says, Poppy, I'm walking right in your steps. I said, why? He said, so I don't have to do the work. <laughs> he couldn't see me. It just hit me that verse again. I said, Jesus, may to my last breath I live to clear the way spiritually for those who come after me. Mark a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, and they will not stumble and fall, but they'll become strong. Oh, parents, you know, I, God bless you, parents. I love watching you come and get your kids, and sometimes it's midweek, and I just want to tell you, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. By getting your children in a place where they can learn of God, have fun with other kids that are also journeying with Jesus, you're doing the right thing. Uh, you know, maybe we'll find a way, Pastor John, to have children and certainly our young people and young adults involved in that March 3 Holy Spirit night that will come hungry saying, Jesus, we need your power in this generation as much as they did in the first generation of your church. Come and fill us with your power again. Oh, may that be a spiritually renewing. I, maybe we'll find a way for our kids to be here. I, I grew up, I don't know what I would have done without the power of the Spirit as a kid growing up. All right, let's close with this insight. Do you, do you know how you personally can experience more of the Spirit's power? Give Him something to empower. Do you know how to experience more of the Spirit's power in your own life? Get yourself into something where you say, Jesus, I'm doing what you want me to do, but this ain't gonna happen unless you give the power. Get yourself into that. That's the way those Holy Spirit baptism evenings are about. That's the way a healing service. Listen, 
That's the way when we invite people to follow Jesus, unless the Holy Spirit is there, (laughs) nothing happens. Get yourself personally into situations this week that unless the Holy Spirit shows up, you're in trouble. Make sure it's what Jesus wants you to do and with the love in your heart for people. But it can happen before you leave church this morning. You can be talking to someone and then you realize, man, I could just encourage them right now. Go ahead, speak, and the Holy Spirit will give you the words and you'll both leave having a better week. (laughs) You'll just feel so good, God, you used me to encourage well, next time you're talking to a, a believer that's having a problem and, and they're just sharing their heart with you, and why not just say, can, can, can I just pray with you about that? And just stumbling your way through it, just bring it sincerely before God. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will show up. He'll be there. That's how he answers prayer. Just people that believe in him and his power more than just, you know just saying words of a prayer. You know, this week, with with love in your heart, when that opportunity shows up in the, uh, where where you study or where you work or in your circle of friends, just, just tell them what Jesus did for you. Go ahead. Tell them what Jesus did for you. And you know what'll happen? The Holy Spirit will be there and he'll help you. Even this morning, how about right now? How about some of you are going through stuff right now, whether you're online listening to me right now or you're in this room in Toronto. Some of you are going through something right now and you're saying, I didn't think about bringing that to the Lord this morning. Why not just bring it to him right now in faith and see what the Holy Spirit will do? Can we do that together? Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, first of all, May this church become more and more of what you want us to be in Toronto and our world because each of us constantly takes fresh spiritual steps to be more of what you want us to be. May one church to you always be an empowered church, I pray. May every one of us, Lord, from children, the youngest infant, to seniors, just say there's something about when we praise the Lord and when we're together, I I get a sense his presence. May we all have your spirit come upon us with fresh experience. Keep reassembling us. As long as you have us here, Lord, keep reassembling us as your spirit gives your church power. And right now as individuals online and in this room, we bring to you something that's going on in our lives. We're, 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 trying to, we're doing our best to serve you. We want to handle it your way, Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and handle it your way. And thank you, you're going to show up. May your spirit be upon everyone who surrenders to you in this moment and who, and who leads to do what you want them to do. Thank you that you're going to be there for them just like you were for the Acts Church. Thank you, Lord, you never give us something to handle without giving us your power to handle it. If you're going to ask us to do it, you're going to empower us all the way through it, Lord. We thank you for your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.